Milky, it was Halloween on Tuesday. Yes, yes, it was. <laughs> I thought there was more to that. There, Sorry. there was not. Are there, okay, what do you like about Halloween? I have a few things. I like most things. I like, well, I used to like candy. I love dressing up in a, a cool costume whenever it's all out. I like the spooky side of things, even though scary movies tend to freak me out. I still enjoy it. <laughs> what about you? I absolutely love the idea of Halloween. However, I think it just endangers children. This is a PSA. We need to stop. This has to end. We can't just be walking around outside. All these clowns out there. I'm sick of it. Ladies, keep doing your thing. You're doing a great job. <laughs> oh, but there's other things going on. So let's get the intro music going. <laughs> Welcome back to a little bit of Nerd, your recreation destination for all things nerdy. I'm your host as usual, Jalen Holston, and returning from his journey from the upside down is none other than my beloved co-host, Mr. Bilkey. How are you doing today, sir? Holy hell, what a trip, but <laughs> I'm back and I feel great. Good, because we got some stuff to say. Today on the show, we're going to talk about the latest DC movie casting news, what Justice League means for The Flash, and of course, the headline of today's show... Stranger Things! Stranger Season 2! It, it happened! It happened and we binged it! It sucked! But anyways, let's get into the things that we have today, nerds and stuff. Cool. Anyways, uh, Bilky, did you ever watch the show Chuck? No. <sighs> you are so unhelpful on everything. That's why we have a whole segment name change. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus. Anyways, well, if you've ever watched the show Chuck, it used to be on NBC. It was about a guy that kind of gets uh, CIA intelligence put into his head and stuff. That actor, Zachary Levi, has been cast as or cast as Shazam for DC's uh, Marvel Captain Marvel or Shazam movie. What do you th- what are you thinking about that guy? Um, it's cool that they're doing a Shazam movie. I always thought he was a cool superhero as a kid, but I will be honest, I've never opened a Shazam comic book. Same. And if any of you <laughs> if any of you don't know who Shazam is, basically the story goes Billy Batson is a kind of troubled kid or whatever and he gets into some good fortune and has like the ability to be uh turned into the superhero Shazam. So basically this kid gets magical powers when he says the word Shazam, he turns into the only superhero in the DC universe that can actually challenge Superman. Oh, I think Fun I did facts. know that actually. Fun facts. Yeah. He was originally called Captain Mar- Marvel, then it got changed to Shazam eventually because it got really confusing there for a while with okay. Marvel's Captain Marvel and stuff. Like, I, yeah. I always thought that they were the same hero, but I never confirmed it. No. Okay. They No, not the same hero, no, just Captain the same Marvel name. No, Captain Marvel and Shazam, they're, they're yes. the same person, Oh, yes, right? they are the same okay. person. Okay, yes. okay. Yes. It's, Captain Marvel from Marvel's universe is a female. Yes, it's very confusing, I know. Damn it. <laughs> it's... The comics. They're like, hmm, I'll get back at you. I'll make my own Captain Marvel. <laughs> I, I feel like there was, I, I don't know, back during the golden and silver age of comics, I feel like there were beef between writers. Oh, there like was that. hot beef, dude. Okay, I felt, Hot beef. Because once comics really started to take off and people were like, oh, oh my God, I'm going to make comic books. Yeah. They're like, mm, I'll show you. <laughs> yes. Um, if you Also, if you want to check out Zachary Levi, he was the voice of Flynn Rider in Tangled. You ever seen that movie, Doki? <sighs> Negative. Jesus Christ almighty. My shoulder is killing me <laughs> right now. Why? I don't know. It's not even like it. We peppered the other day, but that was <laughs> it. <laughs> You're getting old, mate. You're getting old. 
But anyways, so uh, the angle that you're going for in this movie is more of a light-hearted, fun, uh, kind of a romp adventure thing. It's supposed to be the lightest toned or the lightest, like most fun-hearted DC movie that they have made yet. Do you think that going the route of Shazam is a good route for DC, considering it's about a kid that is able to transform himself into basically Superman? Mm, I don't know, dude. I'm kind of on the fence about it. I Is it like a weak move for them to make a soft movie, or do they need more drama and grit kind of movies? I think they tried the drama and the grit. It didn't work because of poor writing. We With did, who? Um, Man of Steel and Batman vs. Superman okay. and any form of Suicide Squad. Just so the people know. Just but so we you know. You are right in that. Yes. Uh, so they, I think they tried that, and it didn't work the way that they thought it was going to. So... Now they had Wonder Woman come out. It was still pretty dark. Like, it still fit their tone of what they're doing, but it was a lot more fun, right? Like, it was a good movie. So now they're moving into Justice League from all the trailers. It looks like that's going to be a lot more fun. So I think that if this is the route they're going, they're kind of trying to do what Marvel's doing and copy them in the sense that just make a good movie that's enjoyable, then, yeah, I think this is probably a good route. And especially when you cast Zachary Levi... Uh, if you ever saw him on Chuck, this guy is charismatic, he's funny, he can do some kind of serious stuff, but like when I think about, this is supposed to be a character that has the mind of a child, but he's in the body of Superman, I couldn't think of anyone better once they announced it. Okay, so maybe it's lighthearted in the sense where it's similar to Marvel's Ant-Man, because that didn't seem like a super serious hero movie for me. Yeah, I think it's going to be more in that route. A lot of comedy, a lot of uh, a lot of joke telling, a lot of like just lighthearted fun and then when Black Adam comes, it's going to be for reals. Okay, I like that. Yeah. Anyway, speaking of DC movie news, uh, it's been reported that Justice League uh or excuse me, Flashpoint is going to depend on the success of Justice League. Now, if you don't know, Flashpoint is the Flash solo movie that's supposed to star Ezra Miller following the release of Justice League and Aquaman. Uh, but the studio recently has put all that project stuff on hold until after the release of Justice League. Now, thoughts? I think that's a very safe move. I also think it's encouraged. Awesome. Why do you think that they would put it on pause? Is it because you think, like... They've done too many of these, like, oh, we're just going to make this, 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 and this. And then it ma gets made, and we're all like, why? Why did you do that? <laughs> I feel like it's more than protecting themselves in this sense, because if Justice League fails, no one's going to go watch that Flash movie, besides the 12 people who watch it on the CW. Us. I don't watch we, it. We will go. I will go for you. We, for you will go support. because you love the Flash. Don't lie to me. <laughs> I'm inside your mind. Yeah, that is who all we played at the beginning of Injustice. Exactly. I remember that. <laughs> the most broken champ on there. He was fun, though, but no, I think it's safe because, like I said, if Justice League does end up tanking for whatever reason, then no, The Flash is not a safe bet, and DC really needs to go back to where they started and figure these things out. I, I think it's a safe move, but here's my thing. You're making a Flashpoint movie. Why not just go ahead and keep a loose, like a loose version of your script because then anything that goes wrong and that you don't like, Flashpoint can fix it, right? Like, you have a built-in reset button with the Flash. Why not take advantage of it? That's kind of how I see it, at least. I don't know about you. No, that's good. I like that. I didn't think of that way. Yeah. But that's just kind of my thoughts on that one. Uh, yeah. So they're still working on it. Uh, it's, supposed to be done, it's supposed to be being written by Lord Miller. Have you ever seen the Lego movie? No. Uh, 
No, I saw a part of the Lego movie, actually, because I was a camp counselor, and we, we watched Lego movie once. Dope. Well, if you thought that was kind of funny and humorous, those are the people that are trying to write The Flash right now, or that are being stopped to write The Flash right now while Justice League comes out. That's probably good, then, because I think that the younger audiences absolutely adore all things Lego movie, whichever iteration it is for the i know they have a batman one and i mean it's funny because i'm 24 and that came out like a couple years ago but i still found a lot i got a lot of the adult humor bits that they put in there that the kids won't it felt like spongebob humor yeah you know how when yeah your parents really were watching they're like wait what do they just say <laughs> and it completely goes over your head because you're like oh he just hit himself with a what or you know some stupid Physical comedy. Right. I think kids like that. And then these Lego movies, they're like, okay, I know the parents are going to come out to the theaters. I'm going to drop a couple nuggets here so oh, they can sure. laugh. For sure. So if they do that with the Flashpoint movie, then I think they have a good chance at finding some success. And to me, they have a little bit more freedom because the Flash is probably going to go somewhere in the realm of PG-13. So the jokes they can write are probably going to be better. Oh, yeah. In they my can, opinion. I mean, I don't know how far they can go with profanities, but they can make some of these pretty raunchy, probably. 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 Anyways... Okay. Stranger Things. It's time. So we're going to give you the good old A Little Bit of Nerd review. So here's how we do reviews here on A Little Bit of Nerd. First, we're going to give you our general thoughts. And then because it's a series, we're going to go episode by episode, talk about the stuff we liked, give you the gen general gist of what happened in the episode as best we can. And trust me, it's a gist. There, Okay. It, it's a lot of it content. It got real in season two, people. This is a PSA. It got real. Also, Full spoiler warning. If you do not want to be spoiled on anything that happens in Stranger Things, fast forward this for probably like an hour. That goes for you, mother. Even, I mean, maybe maybe a little less than, I don't know how fast we'll do it, but just, just, just give, skip give us ahead. a good amount of time. Give us a good 30 minutes, probably, at least, at least. And then we're going to tell you whether you should see it or don't see it. And that'll be it. That's where you need to tune back in. That's where you need to tune back in. Indeed. Let's get it started. Overall thoughts. Bilky, what are your overall thoughts on Stranger Things 2? Good night. <laughs> Good night. It was amazing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You just finished it yesterday, yeah? Um, or a couple days ago? Two, two days ago. Yeah, two days ago. Nice. Because we started binging it, and then I was falling asleep, and I was like, dude, I got to go home. <laughs> <laughs> and so went home, and then I finished it in the following day, and that following morning, I didn't sleep. Excellent. It's just a Stranger Things binge-a-thon. You couldn't with those last two episodes, could you? You I couldn't, couldn't be like, I'm going to just wait, and then you're just like watching it, and you're like... <laughs> exactly. Because I watched the first three multiple times, because I rewatched with you, and then I was rewatching with someone else. And so I just, just I kept getting the same thing thrown back in my face, and then when I finally got a chance to sit down and watch it on my own and have some of these answers like thrown at me, yeah, it was amazing. I couldn't stop watching it. Same. Um, I was amazed just in general with all the direction that was had on these shows. Like the choices, the shots, the cinematography stuff. Oh, it's like the so way good. they did all that throughout the entire series. That was my biggest takeaway my for my like, you know, this overall thoughts section. Uh just I mean, I don't know. Like every shot felt important. Every moment didn't seem wasted. It was just fantastic and um the kids were also awesome again like that's hard to go back to back with kids being awesome yeah you know i was talking to bounds about it and i was like dude watch stranger things of course he said no 
this is this is how bounds works. I have to plant a seed, and then maybe he'll go do it later on in the future. Exactly. So, which will be like two months, and then we'll call us and do it. Ooh, oh which, my god, that was amazing! Your thing. Yeah, it was really good. <laughs> so here's your seed being planted, Matt Bounds. Um, <laughs> I was talking to him about it, and that was one of his big fears for the show was. Everyone's hyping it up, so I don't want to watch it. And then there's kid actors, and kid actors are either incredible or they're just not worth watching, and he doesn't No, feel... these kids are legit. Yes, thank you. They are not to be messed around with. I don't know why people don't trust that. Like, if multiple people tell you that the kid actors in this show are good, trust them. If multiple people tell you that the kid actors in another show are terrible, trust them. They Like, it's a very raw reaction. There's no in-between. It's like black licorice. You love it or you hate it. These I kids are good. Hate it. Yes, I also it hate it. It is disgusting. My grandma loves black licorice. That is questionable. Yes. <laughs> Anyways, uh, we got more Nancy, which I mm. pre- which is what I wanted. If you, if you listen to the preview show, that's what I wanted, and we got it. Thank the Lord. And also, we got a great continuation into the world building and the youthfulness stuff in, from season one. Like, we thought it was just Hawkins that had all this crazy stuff go down. That's where the lab is. But now we kind of we kind of got we got to see Chicago for a bit. Mm-hmm. Uh, we'll we'll talk about that later. Um, but we got to see like the world get a little bigger in season two. But it didn't go too big. You know what I mean? Which is good. They they dipped their foot in and then they came right back. You know what's funny? Even actually, we'll just save it. We'll save it for that episode because okay. there's there's something that's particular about that that I wanted to give a nod to. But anyways, let's get into chapter one, Mad Max. Fantastic addition to the cast. Fantastic. So, uh, right away we get back into the youthfulness of the show with the kids. Uh, they're, it opens with, like, Lucas and Mike scrambling for couch money, and Dustin, too. He just comes out. He's like, shit, shit, shit. Oh, yes. <laughs> and then uh, they're scrambling for change because back in those days, kiddos, you couldn't just use your debit card, and you had to pay for things with coins. In case you didn't know. it was Going to the arcade was the, the business. It, as far as I'm told, I was I was not born in 1993. Anyways, <laughs> I still love putting quarters into arcade machines. Dude, same. So I have I have no issue. Yes, but anyways, the kids go there and they're playing. I think is it is it Dig Dug? Dig Dug, right? Yeah, they're playing Dig Dug, and uh, oh, they. Oh wait, wait, wait! They are not playing Dig Dug. Is it I'm Dig sorry. Dug? No, it's no, they're playing some, um something else. The Knight's Quest or something like that. It's the one where he's playing against the dragon. They're right. like, down, 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 right, right, right. And he's like, shut up, shut up, I'm trying. <laughs> I'm hitting my cue! Exactly. And then he fails, and he's like, it's okay, man. The princess is mine, but at least you're still tops on Dig Dug. That's what, is the dude's name Keith or something like that? Oh, Keith. Is yeah, it, I Keith? love Keith. <laughs> First of all, Keith is this character that you get in this episode. He's just like the typical weird arcade oh owner God. guy. <laughs> he walks out with like a bag of like He's got the Cheetos. Cheese pups in his hands. He's just always just like, <sighs> yeah, man, uh, don't worry about it. You still got Dick Doug. <laughs> you going to get me a date with Mike's sister? He's also a creep. Oh, super <laughs> creep. Super, super creep. creep. Um, but I love that. Um, so, yeah, that's how we get introduced to the newest character on the show. Her name is Maxine. She's a redhead. She's from California. And she's accompanied by her brother, Billy. I think we've seen Billy once before. Hmm. Power Rangers? <laughs> yes. He's played by, what is it, Dar- Dars? I, I'm just trying to. Daker? Dake? Decray? I, I, I have no Decray Montgomery? Anyways, but yes, he was the lead in Power Rangers. He played Jason, the Red Ranger, and now we got to see him on Stranger Things. Because we were watching it, right? And I was mm-hmm. like, well, I was like, what? what, what, what where? Ooh. Where? Who? And then I pulled out my IMDb, and then I looked at you, and I was like, it's Jason! 
So that was amazing to see. I just want to say his initial introduction to the audience was fantastic. Oh, it was so 80s, like... Okay, this is like a prime 80s intro to a badass. Yes. Pulls up in the Camaro, slow, like, not even slow motion, but you just see the boot hit the, the Rocky like a hurricane's yeah. playing. <laughs> yeah, no, fantastic intro. The dude looks great for the 80s. He looks like a more rugged George Michael. He really does. Mm-hmm. He really does. And That's I liked the I mullet. A lot of people didn't like the mullet. I thought the mullet worked. When it was done correctly, if it can even be done correctly <laughs> in the 80s, it, can, it was not bad. Yeah. So moving right along in the episode, Nancy and Steve are, they're back together, they're still together here at this point in the episode. They have their annual dinner with Barb's parents, so we see that being addressed, like, right away. Like, they kind of left it off in the end of first season, but we get to see that Nancy is still dealing with it on a very personal level. Steve is kind of burying it, like, in his subconscious and stuff and moving on from it. We also get to see that uh, Will is not able to control when he goes in and out of the Upside Down because he has a freakout moment at the arcade. Yeah, he's not like a phase walker. He can't just be back and forth. Um, real quick about Barb, I, I think Steve is just, at this point in the show, still a very selfish character. So I At don't, this point, yes, yes, I agree. So he doesn't really see the big issue. No one knows about the Upside Down, and he doesn't want it, anyone to find out. Right. And so in his mind, if no one can know about it, then it's fine. Let these people waste their money and go about their lives. He's right. worried about Steve, and Nancy can literally not handle that. No, no. She really is just overwhelmed with this guilt about Barb and what happened, and she feels like her parents are owed at least the truth to know that there's no coming back for Barb. That's her best friend. Yes. Gone. Gone. Just, just off the map. Oh, my gosh. Horrible. She, Yeah, you guys were talking about it last week, and she didn't really have a chance to grieve very long, but you can definitely see at times it's still eating at her. A little bit, yeah. She has to put on a brave face, so I'm sure that's difficult. So Has to be. I guess getting the reaction out of us talking about it, she did a good job. She did. She did. <laughs> and then uh, we see Hopper. He's back. David Harbour, my man, Bad the ass. sheriff. Bad ass. The sheriff. Okay, that scene, though, where they where he just walks in his office, again, the direction, it was cool because, like, they had the mics up extra loud when he lights his cigarette. You hear that, like, or whatever, and you mm-hmm. hear the little crackles or whatever when he's inhaling this. I don't know. The way that shot was really cool, so it made him look even more badass. So he's been getting reports of pumpkins rotting around Hawkins. There's a farmer that comes up to him and says, this other farmer ruined my pumpkins, and it's about to be Halloween, and that's how I make all my money. So he looks at him and says, that's stupid. Why would they do that? And he kind of brushes it off for now. Wait till episode two. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we also learn that Sean, Aust- Sean Astin, otherwise known as Samwise Gimji, <laughs> is in the show, and he's playing the role of Bob. Rudy. Rudy. <laughs> that's, a, that's what I wanted to say as soon as yes, he came on. Yes, Because he comes in asking for the different colored jack-o'-lantern basket. Yep. And then he just starts making out with uh, Winona Ryder. You lucky bastard. Will's mummy. Winona Ryder is one of my celebrity crushes. Low key though, right? I, I mean, I know you Googled she... her while we were watching. I was I like, know. you know, you do Google some '90s like, Winona <laughs> Ryder, and you, and you were like, okay, and I looked at her, you're like, oh, no, oh my god, this is babe. <laughs> Yeah, she's Winona Ryder, you have my heart now and forever, just so you know. Now, at this point in the show, did you get a creepy vibe about Bob? I don't. I just think the vibe about Bob was a lot of, I'm so naive, I don't know what's going on, I just want to take you away to a fairy Bob land. That's how I felt about it. I knew he wouldn't stick for long just because his energy was different than the people with real issues going on. True. Initially, when I saw Bob on screen, first of all, I was like, (laughs) what? (laughs) 
Sean Aston, what are you doing? But he was really good, and I liked it. But then in the back of my mind, I was like, hang on. This is too good like for these kids to just have this actual like real-life role model who's not trying to kill them. So in the back of my head, I just I got this weird vibe. I didn't know if he was working for the Hawkins Lab or something, or like he was like an extension of the Upside Down and some like shape-shifting creature or something. I don't know. But that, at this point in the, in the series, that's what I was thinking. He was like their safety net for a couple episodes. For a bit, for a bit, yeah. Anyways, moving right along to uh, episode two, chapter two, Trick or Treat. Yes. Yeah, it's Halloween and Hawkins, and the party decides to go as the Ghostbusters, so we get some awesome Ghostbusters theme music. That was one of the best intros I'd seen. Whenever they panned to each kid getting his picture taken by his mom before oh, that day, and they haven't were Haven't we all done that? Yes. Oh, my God. It was amazing. Yes. Uh, there's a funny moment when uh, Mike and Lucas fight over being Bankman because, uh, <laughs> well, Lucas is black, if you don't know. Yeah, and, and he, uh, <laughs> he's like, no, I'm not just going to be Winston because he's the black guy. And, <laughs> no, that's stupid. And not so many words. That's basically what happens. Yeah. <laughs> Um, <laughs> what I did, honestly, I know it's only one little part about Lucas's character, but he makes a point to say that Winston's not a scientist, and I think that's important to show where Lucas's values are and where his head is. I agree. Like, he values the intelligence and the non-stereotypical, like, no, I can be a smart scientist. I don't have to be the exactly. black guy that just shows up. And it's not just because he's a nerd and he loves Ghostbusters. He genuinely loves them for scientists, and I thought that was really cool. Exactly. Uh, in the episode, the kids continue to creep on Max because they have this. They have like they're twelve, right? It's how their first good, crush. How good were all all of us at getting girls at like eleven, twelve years old in middle school or whatever? I think that's when I peaked at getting girls. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus Christ! It's been a slow. <laughs> We've been on the downfall since. Oh, there's a great scene where they're all kind of creeping at her at school, and then she like leaves a note in the trash or something, and then she like they open it and she's like, "Quit spying on me, nerds." <laughs> <laughs> or whatever. But anyways, uh, we get a haunting scene from Billy in this episode when he, he's chasing the party down the road in his Camaro, and he's angry because Max has been hanging out with Lucas and the, the rest of the kids and stuff. He doesn't want her to do that. He thinks it's stupid. He's out to watch her, and we find out why he's so adamant way later down the road. But we'll get to her. that. But we'll get to that. But, yeah, we get this haunting scene from DeCray Montgomery. Holy poop. I was horrified. It's scary, honestly, because he just flips a switch, and whenever he flips that switch, she's she, there, no she's one's like safe. crying. Yeah, I, I can't even think of words because I know how terrifying that position <laughs> oh, is. Oh God, it's just like he just—I don't know—he really commits. He commits in that scene, and you can—you just—you feel it. I think the second time he really snaps at her and grabs her arm, and you see tears coming out of her eyes. Dude, I think that's real. That has to be real. She had to get into the moment, and it's a child, remember? So these are real emotions being portrayed. <laughs> she probably shit herself, dude. Had to. Oh man, as uh, I forgot to mention, by the end of the first episode, we do get confirmation that Eleven is alive, and she's been staying yes. in a cabin with Hopper. So, in this episode, we get a cool parallel storyline. It takes you through where Eleven was towards the end of season one, um, after she had entered the Upside Down, and how she got back into our reality. And then it shows you how uh, Hopper kind of picked her up and discovered her, and now she's staying in his grandfather's cabin. How much does this child have to go through emotionally <laughs> and physically? I mean, seriously, escapes the Hawkins lab, where she was a prisoner since birth, gets a little bit of freedom, experiences the world, finds love, basically, with Mike, and then has to defeat this Demogorgon 
and ends up getting shot back into the upside down, which is scary as hell. Yes. And then she escapes the upside down, only to be discovered. And while you know it's not as harsh of conditions, she's basically imprisoned again well, at she, Hopper's granddad's house. She gets hunted for a while afterwards too, because she goes that to Mike. That scene is yeah. fantastic when she's in the woods and she kills the squirrel to survive, right? Mm-hmm. And then this hunter walks up to her. And he's like, "Hey, it's kind of cold out here, ain't? <laughs> Where's your jacket?" <laughs> thud (laughs) and then all of a sudden you just see the log float up and she just wrecks she hit her cue pretty well right there um so i want to take a second sorry i'm breaking up my words the scene whenever she's hiding from the the cops and the search parties underneath the log in the woods did that not just pay so much homage to the hobbits hiding underneath the log low key i think that's kind of funny yeah that's a bit of a that has to be I, I don't, if that's accidental, that's a fantastic accident. It is. Maybe they're Lord of the Rings fans, and they just wanted to throw that in there. If so, I noticed. I appreciate. Like, it. what if Sam? What, what if Sean Aston was on exactly set that day and was just like, "Hey, <laughs> you guys should have her hide under the like the little mount there and have the guards just like walk, or the police people walk by." What's the name of the writer in Lord of the Rings that's hunting them? Because it's I gonna it's gonna bother me. You can IMDb it. I might. Are you a fan of Lord of the Rings? You know, here and there. But anyways, okay. Um, so Will has another episode, uh, going into the Upside Down, and then Nancy gets drunk over the morning of Barbara earlier in the show's, uh, timeline and proceeds to have a fight with Steve, because they go to this Halloween party, they're trying, Steve's trying to get Nancy to loosen up a little bit, because she's been so adamant and so tight about, yeah, that's great. (laughs) (laughs) Um, um, she's been so adamant and so, you know, grief-driven about what happened to Barbara, so they go to this party, right? Things are going fine. And then she makes the fatal mistake that you can make at any party. She goes hard with the punch. <laughs> she just lays into Dude. Steve. This is this is bullshit. <laughs> this, this is bullshit. She Steve. admits to him that she doesn't love him. Which, okay, can I just say this scene? It's okay. It's, it's so real, accurate. Dude. It's real. It's so accurate. This is so dumb. Like people get in fights and actual like breakups over this stuff when people are drunk. Like it, it's, just stop. Just stop it. Just stop it, all right? Like, you're drunk. It happens, all right? It's hard being on the sober, like, receiving end to someone just drunk going off on you who, at that point in time, is probably your significant other. Fair. That's difficult, honestly, because you're like, why are you saying these things Maybe to me? Maybe I have something built in because I just, I don't know. I slide it off. I don't know. I can understand, Steve, because I've been in the position where I was like, okay, my feelings are hurt now. But then at the same time, being on the other side where you're like, okay, you're just you're just being drunk and stupid. We're going we're gonna to go to bed. Yes. <laughs> so anyway, uh, Nancy's left at the party by Steve because he storms off and he's, at, he's mad at her for what she said about, you know, their love being bullshit and everything else. So then Jonathan walks into the party, finds her, and takes her home. Points for Jonathan. Yes, I'm, I'm glad. Jonathan's awesome, dude. I, I okay. I'm Team Jonathan. I'm sorry. Oh, hundred percent. After I'm what happened in the Jonathan. first season, I am Team Jonathan. Steve, you do not participate in putting your girlfriend's name next to a slut sign. No. At the fucking local no, you movie do theaters. Not. Even if you clean it up afterwards, it, it's too late, son. It's so- sorry, dude. You you left like you're you're done. That's like public shaming your girlfriend and then saying sorry later and expecting everything to be sending cool. a text later says sorry. Hey, nothing. are we cool or? Hey, are we- <laughs> Just one of those. <laughs> hey, uh, what's, uh, what's going on here, man? Um, and then we get a cliffhanger where Dustin finds something mysterious in his trash can. It had been rattling around in the first episode, and he kind of ignored it, assumed it was a possum or something. 
And then the very end of the episode, he opens it and goes, oh, holy shit. <laughs> it's not Muse. <laughs> it is not Muse. <laughs> Anyways, so then we get into chapter three, the Pollywog. Uh, Dustin discovers that his strange new pet is kind of this weird, sluggish, toad kind of creature thing. It's cute at first, honestly. It's like not reptile nor amphibian, but it looks like a like a hybrid of both of them. Right. Like it's it's cute. Like it's a really cute thing or whatever. I I was I was about it. They kind of had the ET homage going there. It was it was they cool. Did. Uh, hi- he ends up hiding it from the rest of the party and then shows it to them later. Uh, and that gets a little bit more complicated, but we will get there. Um, Eleven grows increasingly impatient with Hopper as she is being held for safety reasons at his grandfather's house, and they have this awesome, like, awesome, awesome scene where they kind of get in this fight, and David Harbour, oh my god, this guy is so good, I can't wait for him to be Hellboy, dude, I seriously can't, he has this amazing dialogue where you feel the loss that he had, because if you remember from season one, he lost a daughter already, mm-hmm. so you see that that conflict when he's talking to Eleven about why she needs to be protected and how dangerous it is for her to be out there. Uh, it just, it was so good. Because I feel like he hasn't explained, nor can he explain the situation with his daughter to Eleven. No. But he's putting those emotions on her and she just, she doesn't understand and he can't tell her about it. So you can physically see that in his face and you can hear it in his voice. It really drives home his monologues. Yeah, and then I immediately am like questioning his parenting style because she almost like wrecks their entire hideout in that episode. Where she's yeah, like... dude, she's got some <laughs> anger issues. Whenever she really gets mad, nothing is safe. No, not at all. Just the like she implodes all the glass everywhere. She's just yeah. screaming. I was like, ooh, you cannot. Okay, David Harbour, you cannot yell at Jean Grey, Dark Phoenix, and then just. <laughs> It's like Dr. Xavier just teaching the complete opposite way that he does. (laughs) Exactly. Oh, man. And in this episode, Mike continues to grow his resentment towards Max because for Mike, when Max gets into the party, it's just a daily reminder about how Eleven isn't there and he loves her. It's tough. Did you ever get kind of annoyed with that with him, though, at some points in this early part of the season? I kind of did. I did. I can completely agree. I feel like at some point you have to realize that this is a different human being. That's what I'm – I mean – You can only be mean for so long before you need to realize you're being a douche. But I'm thinking, like, he's 12 or 13, right? Yeah. You know? Like, I think at that age, I think most of us would act the same. It's hard. It's hard. I don't know. It's hard. But anyways, and then Bob urges Will to stand up to his fears. So there's this car ride, right? And he's taking Will to school instead of, uh, was it Jonathan one day or whatever? Yeah, that's yeah. a super uncomfortable car ride. Uh, awkward, because he's the stepdad in that scenario. So anyways, he's driving along, and he tells him, like, hey, I used to have nightmares all the time. The clown was chasing me, my dreams, and I'd always run away, but I'd never, but it would still chase me. And then one day I decided uh, whenever I had that dream, I was going to stand up to it and fight it and say, uh, go away or whatever. Mm-hmm. And we'll, we will note that for what happens later on in this episode. Um, anyways, the episode continues. The kids continue to figure out that this um, this thing that Dustin has isn't exactly from our Earth. They thought it was like a frog or toad type thing. They find out it's not. And then finally we get towards the end of the episode, and the cliffhanger is that uh, Will has another freak out at school, goes running out of the building, and uh, is in this cornfield, right? And then he gets flashed in the upside down. We see, we finally get the 
full uh, reveal of the shadow monster that's going to be the antagonist for us this season. Will decides that he's going to stand up to it and say, go away. And then it does this awesome cross-cutting of that conversation in the car that he had with Bob. And mm -hmm. it, it fuses with Will. So now, the, basically, the shadow creature is inhabited in Will's body. Yes, Will is just a vessel for now. For now. Essentially, he can barely get to use his actual mind. And it's like the um, the shadow monster speaking for him now. Yes. It's scary. How sad was it when Eleven saw Max and uh, Mike at school? And then they just, my heart broke. I, I know. Like, oh, I felt like, so Come bad. on, we were going to have a moment. I felt so bad. Dude. I felt horribly Ugh. bad. I felt bad for Max, too. Because for a second there, you see genuine happiness on Mike's face. And as soon as she sees that, it's like, oh, God damn it. Yeah. I'm going to take out her skateboard. <laughs> <laughs> Immediately, let's just turn petty. Yes. Which is kind of cool. Like, thinking back, I could have you, like, that's some, there's some scenarios that I definitely would make something like that happen. Like a oh, spilled yeah. drink, you know? Just, just to ruin someone's day. And she's like, it's like a magnet pulled my board away or something. I know that sounds crazy. And, and he then the immediate... look on his face, you just, he knows. He's like, <gasps> uh, <laughs> my love. Moving on to chapter four, episode titled Will the Wise. So uh, Will finally opens up to his mom, Joyce, about what's been happening when he goes into these uh, episodes that he's having with the upside down. And he starts showing odd behavior. He starts sweating, but he needs the house to be cold. It so, likes it cold. Yeah, it likes it cold is what he says to his to his mom. So she uh, immediately is like kind of you know dumbfounded by this. So she tries to do the normal mom thing, like, hey, let's get you a hot bath. And there's this weird scene where she makes him a bath, and it's not really that warm. And he touches the water, and he's like, oh, it's too hot. And uh, I was like, what? What are you doing? <laughs> just, it's not even what. Oh, it just has me thinking forward to the heater scene, and I can't uh, talk uh, about it yet. Yeah, Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, well, I what did you like about this episode, the fourth one, Will the Wise? Um, I like that they play into Will's strengths with um, drawing. Yes. As his form of communication. Which is cool, because he starts feverishly drawing these. At first, we don't really know what they are at the beginning and middle parts of the episode, and then we kind of find out later that there's something greater to these scribblings and these drawings, but yeah, I think that's cool, too. Yeah, because he's getting these flash, I guess, well, they call them now, now memories. memories. Yeah, right. so he's getting his now memories, and you can see what the tunnels look like, and I knew that's what he was trying to draw. Right. And as soon as they finally, I think Hopper puts it together, and he's like, it's a map. And they yeah. start figuring out, I'm like, oh, okay, cool. Now, there we go. Now we're really starting to get the ball rolling. You know, we're cooking with fire. Yes, yes, we are. So I enjoyed that part. So then after they discover that it's a map, uh, Hopper discovers that the pumpkins that are rotting are, are rotting from the roots that, well, Hopper thinks they're roots is basically what it is. Uh, vines. That's or vines, yeah. vines or roots or something like that. So Hopper's like, that's how the pumpkins are getting, you know, blah, blah, blah. So they try to pinpoint where the biggest source is of these vines that – uh, so that way Hopper can kind of investigate and figure out how to stop it from spreading. So he goes there. He starts digging into the uh, into the tunnel and stuff and fi figures out, okay, this is the actual location. We found the Upside Down. <clears throat> oh, this is after um, the scene where the guy who replaces Brenner. Yeah. this is actually, we, get the, we get a great introduction to the new guys that are at Hawkins. Now, these guys are trying to – they come across as – well, I know those old guys were horrible, but we're better. Like, we actually know what we're doing. And really, they don't. They have no freaking idea. They've been burning the gate that is between our world and the Upside Down, and they think they have it contained. But what's happened is 
the Upside Down, it's like a virus. It is adapted, and that's why we got the Vine storyline mm-hmm. going. Yeah, I've okay. I really did not like most of those people, the new Hawkins um, lab people. But towards the end, I they started to join my side. I guess. Yeah, as I started support. To like them towards the end, and then. There's a scene with Hop, uh, Hopper and the new guy at the very end. Whenever oh, that was the start, cool. I was like, "We'll yep, get there." Yep, it's coming around. Yes, it's, karma comes back. Karma this. does come back. <laughs> and then Nancy and Jonathan make their own secret ops mission to expose the lab in Hawkins in order to get justice for Barb. Because at this point, Nancy's like, "I'm done. I've had it." Like Barb's parents need to know what happened. They need justice for their daughter. So they kind of embark on this crazy mission to get inside of Hawkins' lab, and they record the doctor talking about all the stuff they've been doing, and that's kind of where the episode leaves off. Yeah, because they called Barb's mom. They did. And Nancy didn't know the, the CIA or whoever. They tapped her whole house, so they no. picked up yeah. on the conversation. Her and Jonathan end up getting abducted, and then that's when they record the doctor. Yeah. So I guess getting trapped is part of their plan. It's. I, I was like, kind "Wow, of. way to go, guys! Way to get free." I was initially, I was like, "Wow, you idiot teenagers! You went. They went there with the with this writing. Like they're stupid. They get in over their head." And then later on, I was like, "Oh, they're smart kids, huh?" Shout out to the Duffer Brothers. Oh my God, give them everything. <laughs> give them everything in this world. Anyways, moving right along to Chapter Five, Dig Dug. So in this episode, Eleven goes in search for her mother after discovering files from the Hawkins lab in the, what was it, like a small, like a, under the flooring of Hopper's hideout or whatever at the end of yeah, episode it was, four, it was like, right? Yeah, like um, underground storage almost. Right. So she finds these pictures of her mom, puts two and two together, and then uses her new abilities, by the way, which we have yet to mention, but she can now find people via the... Um, a picture. A picture, yeah. So if you remember from last season, she would have to be submerged in water with all of her senses covered in order to go into this, like, I don't even know what the, the name for that space that she goes into. I don't know what it's called, though. Yeah. I know what you're talking about. But um, so she doesn't need any of that anymore. As long as she can put, uh, was it static on on the TV? Yeah, static on the TV, and then she just needs to blindfold herself. She's, so she's basically Professor X herself. Mm-hmm. is what essentially has happened. So she finds a picture of her mom, Professor X is herself, finds her location, and she sets out on this journey uh, without Hopper knowing uh, to go and search for her mother. And that storyline is amazing. Because we get it at the same time as we receive information on where Hopper's at because it takes him too long to come home. Yep. And so she gets impatient, and then she starts looking around the house as she's cleaning, and seeing this at the same time is really enjoyable. The tension just, like, stays building because Hopper's stuck in these vines, and he's investigating, and he can't get out of the upside down. But she's going this way, the only person that could probably save him. And then the kids don't really know where or what's happening and what's going on. Exactly. And it's Joyce is crazy. having an emergency, and she's Hopper's like, call me first. And she's blowing up Hopper's phone. Yeah. And and everything like, just hit. It, it, the tension start. Okay. So the first, I think the first four episodes, right? We had this kind of steady increase. Okay. And now we get into this middle section of the series for the second season. And it, this ball of tension just builds over five, six, mm-hmm. and seven. And then by eight and nine, it just goes. It's like when I'm serving tables. So I can get up to like three or four tables and it'll be fine. I yeah. Can, I could go through and I wouldn't even have to write down orders. I can just know what's going. Ha- well, <laughs> know what's going on. 
And then once you hit five or six, maybe seven tables, you're like, okay, I'm starting to forget things or all my issues are starting to compile. Right. And that's what it felt like all the characters were going through. It was like every issue that they had been dealing with slightly or had under control was no longer under control because every problem started overlapping with one another and they couldn't find a solution to one. Therefore, they couldn't find a solution to many for quite a while. Jeez, not at all. One of those problems was that Dustin's Demogorgon kept growing. Dart. And and Dart ate his mom's cat. (laughs) Rest in peace, Muse. Rest in peace, Muse. So uh, Dustin enlists the help of Steve, and he's trying to kind of get this under control. And he put it in the cellar, but then... Uh, towards the uh, towards the end of episode four, like I said, guys, there's a lot of stuff that happens, so we're just kind of glancing. So if we yes. go back and forth between episodes, we are on five. But I'm just telling you to stuff to fill in gaps right now. So they discover that the Demogorgon was big enough to dig itself out of the cellar. So he helps. He asks Steve because no one else is answering the phone because they're all at Hawkins with Will um, to go help him find the Demogorgon. So. As they do that, uh, Lucas goes behind the rest of the party's back in order to fill Max in on what's been going on. Did you think that was a good choice by Lucas at that point in the show? At that point in the show, I think that's a tough decision he has to make, but in the <sighs> long run, I think it's the right choice. Because, I mean, I it was really good dialogue and writing, this whole show is, but I couldn't distinguish if it was Lucas really wanting her to just come into the party, or if it was... Like, Lucas knowing that the only shot he has with this girl is if she gets all the info and then hangs around, you know? Yeah, I think he was afraid of losing her completely. Right. Because she, like, I mean, she's a cool chick. Like, I love Max in this series. But, yeah, maybe he shouldn't have told her so soon, but... That's what I was saying when all the piles started compiling. Stuff on top. was starting to hit the fan exactly. at this point. Exactly. You have to make do or die decisions. He's like, what do I do? Is she in or is she out? And I think he saw her value as a Zoomer. Exactly. And so, I mean, she comes in later and she's like, bam. That's, bam. Why, you, that's why you need a Zoomer. Bam, shizzle, my nizzle. What did they say? Tubular. Tubular, bro. Tubular. <laughs> They're such good friends when they show them having fun. They really are. Um, and then they show the end of that dialogue. Max is like, oh, yeah, show me. And then Lucas is like, I can't show you anything, but hold on. The party's just getting started. Um, Nancy and Jonathan then set out to make contact with their new ally, the Pride Investigator. Now, he was in episode one um, in the beginning of this series or whatever, and he was investigating Barb's murder or whatever, and basically they get in contact with him to help them get the story and the information they have on Hawkins out into the papers. He and thinks it's the Russians. Yeah, he thinks it's the Russians at this point. Which is hilarious for the 80s because, you know, the Cold War and stuff like that. So it was very uh, – it paid a lot of homage to history, and I think that was awesome. <laughs> it really was great. I was – yeah, these commie guys definitely got exactly. barbed. <laughs> He's like, it is a full-blown Russian invasion here in Hawkins, Indiana. <laughs> and then they're just like – no. No, no, it's <laughs> no, not. No, no, it's not. Um, oh, uh, quick shout out. Your cousin's name is Sam, right? Yes. She nailed some of her predictions. Correct. Because I watched the whole season, then I listened to the podcast, and I was like, damn, she's spot on we, with some of this low stuff. Low-key, though. Like, I was yes. like, oh, this is happening. She called Steve's role perfect. Yes. By the that's end of the what, series, me and her, like, the, both the, like, I was just like, wow, we really called that. Well done. Yes. Well done. Um, And then we just Bob discovers that Will has actually been drawing a map of Hawkins in, in his now memories, not the not the vines, not the vines. He calculates it to where he can draw and figure out the location to find Hopper underground. 
So they do that, and they go find Hopper. They dig him up, and the guys go down there, and they have their torches, right? And they save Hopper. It's all good. And then they decide they're going to burn the Upside Down. But it affects Will. He starts going to the ground, shaking and seizing, and that's where we end Episode 5. I had an issue with how stupid they seemed right there. I know Will is freaking out, and you know he's attached to the Upside Down. I... I guess I had in prior information from watching the show, but I think I would have put two and two together. Pretty Will's quick. freaking out. Stop setting those things on fire. Right. I don't know. That was my only issue really so far. I completely agree because I was like, what? what? Like you couldn't figure out like, okay, he's been having problems with the upside down. You burn something from the upside down and now it affects him. Hello? You're supposed to be doctors? Yeah. That's like eight years of med school, and you couldn't figure out what the kid's like, come on. I mean, I guess, like, as viewers, we have more information. But I don't know. But even still, still yeah. common sense, right? No, like, I come put, on. No. See, that – sorry. You have one sorry. tally in that. You have, like, 20,000 points in your W column, but take the L. Take take that one L, because that, that was pretty dumb. I didn't, I didn't appreciate that. So then we move on to Chapter 6, The Spy. So they discover – that Will is connected to the Upside Down. The Shadow Monster has basically completely vesselized Will at this point, almost. And uh, at the end of Episode 5, Mike is talking to Will, and they're having a bro moment, which is amazing. And Mike comes up with this plan. He says, hey, what if we use you as, like, a spy? So that way we can figure out how to defeat the Shadow Monster. And Will kind of goes along with it. And then in this episode, all of that backfires. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god does it backfire uh, yeah and steve and dustin continue the search for the demogorgon and in, and here we get to really see the growth of steve which i freaking love because he really starts to take on dustin as like his little brother at this point he does i enjoyed it i did not like steve at first but he did a lot better for me as the show went on it's as they're like walking down the train tracks laying out the meat they're talking about girls and stuff and i think that dialogue is just really like it felt really genuine it felt honest it was really awesome to see I love kid actors and young actors whenever they do stuff like this. When they do stuff well, I love it. Love it. I love it. So the doctors at Hawkins Lab continue to do uh, research on Will's connection to the Upside Down. And there's a scene where they drag in a piece of like a, a vine or something or like a tentacle kind of yeah. thing. And they like burn it to see just how, it, how like connected it is. That's when they finally figure it out. And then we get this amazing, amazing scene from Winona Ryder. And I was like. I was like, that's her baby. Like, just fucking help this woman, please. <laughs> oh, man. She tells him how it is. Yeah, she she goes off on these expert doctors. Yeah, it's like a room full of 12 doctors, and she's like, do any of you know how to help my son at all? And they all just look so dumbfounded. They're all just like, no, 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 I don't. She's like, okay, fuck you. Oh, man. Uh, Lucas and Max grow closer after trying to fight off multiple Demogorgons because in this episode, basically, anything that Will sees, the Shadow Monster can see. So everyone that's at Hawkins' lab is basically toast because the gate pours open and all these Demogorgons start invading the Hawkins' lab. It gets the crazy. The Demodogs are coming. And then the junkyard, they think that they're hunting down Dart. And then all of a sudden, Steve is surrounded by multiple Demodogs. And it gets real yo steve's a badass he's i don't know how he's that brave but there are times he where, works that bat bro that's what i'm saying <laughs> he dodges one and then just 
Gives a little twist and <laughs> molly whops another one. I was one like, and, oh, Steve, you got this. Damn, run. <laughs> but before all that happens, I will say, there was a really awesome, cute, adorable scene with Lucas and Max. And they talk about, like, why Max doesn't really talk about things in that nature and how she's trying to just kind of fit in. And it's hard because her brother's a dick and whatever. I just, I don't know. Well, did you like that scene? I freaking love that scene. I did like that scene. It was nice. I enjoyed seeing Lucas get a love connection because I feel like he, his sister's always on him about it. Right. Whenever he's taking his <laughs> Ghostbusters picture. His sister is awesome. Yes. I'm sorry. She's like, this is why you don't hang out with girls. girls. <laughs> <laughs> so it was cool to see him finally find a girl who is enjoying the same things in life that he enjoys. And they had a more pure connection. Obviously, at first, the whole group, aside Mike, was like, oh, oh look at her. She's so pretty, dude. Exactly. California. Look at her skateboarding, <laughs> And you can tell Dustin's a little upset, but he's very mature. Yes. Oh, my God, Dustin. And I don't think that Dustin would have handled it that way if not for Steve. I think that's a more, even more credit to Steve's character growth, having that effect on Dustin. Agreed. Steve tells him to just ignore her, and he does. And when he allows himself to ignore her, his eyes open to see what's really happening between Lucas and Max. Yeah, and then that kind of has its own thing. Exactly. So it's Steve telling him, when you ignore her, yes, it can, it has a chance she will notice that, and it might bother her enough to where she's like, I'm interested now. But at the same time, I think he was trying to protect Dustin. Absolutely, he was trying he to does. protect Dustin. It was... Ugh. I don't know how they got into the minds of these kids and just write this stuff. It's crazy. And again, we get to see, where do they find these children? Max, the range on that kid actress? What the hell? Mm -hmm. She just starts breaking down when she's talking to Lucas again. Ah, jeez. I don't. Is there a mailing list? Where do they, where do they find them? I honestly want, I want an interview like their casting director or something. I don't I know. I have no clue where they find these people. These hipsters. These <laughs> Anyway, so we end this episode with basically everyone in the Hawkins lab. They're trapped, and the demodogs are coming. And then we move on to Chapter 7 called The Lost Sister. So in the previous episode, or maybe the episode before, we get this great reveal of Eleven's origin story. When she goes to visit her mom, she finally finds her, and she, fi she finds her in that vegetative state. Now, we saw her in last season— but it was only when uh, Hopper and Joyce were going and hunting uh, her down for the sake of Eleven because they were trying to just get her home. Um, so we find her in this vegetative state. She keeps saying these like four or five words. It's like rainbow, sunflower, four to the left, right to the right, five to the right or something. And we, we just don't – it's all gibberish to us at this point. And then we discover that she's able to communicate with Eleven still. Like she has some kind of ability – to communicate, so then Eleven does her Professor X thing, as we're calling it, and goes and talks to her mother, and we discover that she had someone else with her at Hawkins' lab. Now, in the very first scene of season two, it opens. It's a cold open, It's as they, as they call it in Hollywood, on this chase scene, right? There's a van of these hooligans. It's in Chicago in the 80s. They are escaping the police. It's chaotic, and they're like, Ugh, you know, typical action scene, right? And then all of a sudden, there's a young woman in the passenger seat. She holds her hand up, makes a fist, kind of, and, and gets powerful. And then all of a sudden, this bridge just collapses on top of these police officers, right? And it cuts back to the police officers. They're all cut up. They're like, Ugh, what the hell happened? And then we look back. The bridge is fine. She gets into the mind of the lead car driver and makes him think he saw the bridge fall out. Yeah. 
they get away scot-free. Yes, and then she wipes her nose as it's bleeding, and then you get a close-up shot of her wrist. And it has the tattoo of a number eight. Number eight. So, that's who we get introduced to in this episode called The Lost Sister. Her name is Callie, by her the way. Her name is Callie, yes. I've forgotten. Good thing you remembered. I was going to keep calling her number eight. Number eight. Number eight. So, Eleven travels to Chicago, which this is what I was getting to. Okay, so we go to Chicago, right? Even the shots in Chicago still feel like the shots in Hawkins. Like, uh -huh. the universe still feels like it's kind of contained. You know what I mean? Yes. I loved that about that epi this episode. And uh, eventually we get to see that uh, Eleven meets up with Callie. Callie. Yeah. Yeah. Callie and uh, her band of hooligans. Okay. Did you like her, like, kind of misfit group? I understood, the like, the homage they were trying to do, but I don't know. I was kind of like, whatever about it. I liked it at first until it – I okay, so I have to see where Callie's going to come back in. I'm assuming she leaves that group of people at God, some point. I hope so. Because they made a point to say Callie saved all of us. Mm -hmm. So now maybe it's they're like, okay, Callie, go save yourself now. We You did enough for us. We're going to – Good point. Yeah. That's a very good point. So I could see something like that happening. Elle, whenever she got her makeover, just didn't seem to fit them right. She's not an outcast like they are. No. They were okay. But she looked cool. She looked cool. <laughs> they they served their purpose. I don't think that they were, like, it's hard to describe. Yeah. I don't think they're super important. I think they fit their purpose. They're just necessary, right? Yeah. I don't, but think of a word that's less than necessary. Because I don't think they're super necessary, but they put them in there, and I think they did just fine. I think, the, I don't know, I think they are, okay, they're, like, necessary for what has to happen in this episode and in this storyline that Eleven's going on, but they're just not, like, gonna be loved, you know? They're not relevant they just for do me. Their, they just do their job. Yeah. You know what I mean? This was probably my least favorite episode, if I had to have a least favorite. And I'm gonna defend this episode. That's Because fine. that's what everyone has been saying. And listen, I get it, because we go from six, right, the spy... Everything's hostile. There's the demo dogs are coming, and we have all this tension that's been built off. And then we just go way left, and it's just eleven, and it kind of seems out of place. But this episode has to happen because the thing that eleven has to fight at the end of this series, she can't do that without meeting. Uh, Callie. Callie. Why do I keep forgetting her name? I don't know. I'm gonna call her number eight from now on. <laughs> without meeting number eight. There's no way that Eleven defeats what the shadow monster at the end like she does. And I agree with you. I think the episode has to happen. There's the dude with the mohawk annoyed me, and Bonnie. I think that's the their newest addition, the girl with the bird's nest hair. Yeah. They. I just didn't like them. But that's true. Whenever um, they have Elle come overcome her anger or be able to use her powers more how she wants to, and they cheered for her, that yeah. was cool. I liked that. I was like, all right, cool. They're trying to make her feel like she's part of their group now, and that's great. It just doesn't fit well with me, though. But there's a level of – I don't think we were supposed to like the five characters at all. Like, I felt uncomfortable with them. I never felt like I could actually trust them with Eleven because Eleven – because at this point, to the viewer, Eleven's just this adorable girl that, we re that we've seen go through this journey, right? And so they're kind of trying to corrupt our baby, and it's just like, no, stop it. No, don't do drugs. No, get out of that club, girl. What you wearing? Exactly. And, and I'm just like, no, don't do it. So, yeah, basically Eleven goes and finds her Yoda. She gets her uh, her little power boost there, and we get to discover that Dr. Brenner is still alive? What the hell? I don't I don't like Dr. Brenner. I do. I despise Dr. Brenner. What would you think about that reveal, though, that he's possibly still around? 
I think it's nuts, dude. Dude, like what? I, it made me ask a lot of questions, and then I never asked them again because I would get frustrated wondering where he's at or what they're going to do. I know. It's just wild to me. Also, I think the biggest thing from this episode for me is that there is an entire world, right? And there is an, a number eight. That, like, there could be more. There could be more. There could be more kids out there. Now, along with this episode, while I will defend it because I think it's one of the most crucial episodes in this season, I will argue that till I die. It scared the shit out of me. Would you like to know why? Yes, I would. Because, like I said in the preview show, I like the true sci-fi aspect of this show. I am now frightened out of my mind they're going to do like their own kind of version of like comic booky superhero stuff. Not so much like costumes and all that stuff you see on the CW, but like Eleven just gets more and more powerful to where now it's just going to be like this crazy effects-heavy action show, and we're going to get away from what's made the show really awesome, which is these character development and story arcs. You know what I mean? I do know what you mean. That's scary. Because, I mean, that's kind of what they did. They set it up. There's like there's more of these kids out there probably. The world's getting bigger as we kind of continue here. We got to see Chicago. Maybe we'll see New York next. I don't know. I'm just spitballing here. So whenever I listened to the pod and I heard you make that point about the comic book feel, my fear was that Brenner's with another child right now who he's trying oh. to have create, like oh defeat Eleven. Oh, my God. So what if Eleven has to defeat oh. another child now? Yeah. <laughs> you just – Oh my God! You just blew my mind. Yeah, that's where I was. That's where my head was. Oh, let's move on before I. Oh, Jesus Christ! We that also, would be amazing. Um, we got to see how um, Jane, or Jane. also known as Eleven, Jane. how her mother's brain was fried. That was, dude. I, okay, I honestly hate those scenes. That was scary, dude. It scares me that's so much. Real life. That You're is real. Just strapped her down and erased her memory. Took this woman's baby, dude. What is wrong with you? What is wrong with you? Why would you do that? Yeah. Can you wow. imagine? No, I cannot. Ugh, nor do geez, I want to. That's horrible. Anyways, we move right along to chapter eight. The kids finally give the shadow monster a name from Dungeons and Dragons. Of course, they call it the Mind Flare. That was well fitting for the thing we just talked about. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, they develop a plan to stop the Mind Flare once and for all. Uh, they figure out that uh, by the end of you know the episode um, that. It can see what Will sees. So they knock it out in the hospital, and they try to escape the hospital, right? So this entire sequence happens, and Sean Astin goes off in his acting performance. Holy poop. Up until this point, I was like, okay, he's just playing this really goofy guy, and I know damn well Sean Astin has more range than this. What is this bullshit? And then we get it in this episode. Dude, when he's in the closet... Bob Newby superhero. When he is in the closet, wow. Like, that was, I felt it. I was sweating for I him. I felt it yeah. with him, dude. That was the most incredible moment I had ever seen out of Sean Astin. I've watched a lot of his movies. I love him. That's whenever I started to enjoy the scientist more. Yes. The doctor. Because he made that cool movie. He's like, no, dude, go. I'm going I'm to I'm guide you out of here. I was like, exactly. wow, dude. And then he, he felt... I'm obviously not as scared as Sean Astin's character, but after the demo dog goes away and you see Bob just kind of breathe, the doctor, he leans back in his chair and takes a second. He just goes, Jesus Christ. So like, <laughs> he feels it he, too. He, yeah, he almost watched him die, and he was like, just don't move. Just don't Could you move. imagine being the eyes and ears for someone? Oh, my God. And I, I would just be like, my nose, like, 
<laughs> That's how Knowing, it would be. <laughs> it, it, maybe when we live stream these Sunday, that'll be more funny for it people. It will be. <laughs> it will be. It definitely will be. Um, so then we, uh, he finally escapes the closet, but then, okay, I'm not going to lie. This was really stupid. Bob could have lived, damn it. <laughs> He, he couldn't. It's not necessary. Bob could no. have lived. He could not there live. There was no reason. Hopper and Joyce's love is the reason Bob had to die. I do want them to get together. I really do. Because they had the thing in high school from what they shared with us on the show so far. But he's just standing there. Well, Keep going. Yeah, I guess he didn't expect to see Joyce right there. And he was kind of like, oh, you oh, made it oh that shit, far, I made though. it. Yeah. I, I, I'm sorry. I don't care who it is. I'm I'm saying, hey, babe, we got to go. There's demodogs and stuff. But if you remember, right before Bob goes, he tells Hopper, do not save me if it comes down to it. Get them out. And he says that. He does the hero line, right? Yeah, and I don't think he expected it to be real and actually happen. But then you see Joyce is trying to get him, and Hopper looks, and he shoots like twice. And he's like, I I cannot kill all these people. (laughs) We got to go right now. So eventually they escape Hawkins' lab, and they take the unconscious Will back to – uh, Will's house, where they decide that okay, as long as he can't see anything, they can't. He can't find us, right? So they lock him up in the shed, which is kind of cool. They get this cool moment, and then they figure out that Will is trying to communicate with them to uh, through Morse code, which I think is really cool. I don't know why Morse code is so cool to me. It is really cool. What happens with Nancy and Jonathan in this episode? It finally happens, everyone. Their love fully forms. And they get down to it. <laughs> the, uh, the the PI did a fantastic job at just did you slapping like them in the face with who they are. Yeah, did you like that character? I the loved, PI? Yeah, that was great for me. I felt he I thought he was like initially when I saw it, like, wow, that's like the, another really on the nose character. But it was so well done, I didn't mind it. I thought he did fantastic. Telling them like how it was, that that was enjoyable to watch. Team Jonathan! Yes. Team Jonathan! I also like that we see nancy with her clothes on the whole time that too it wasn't this weird like netflix didn't take advantage of the fact they were netflix like okay cool it's just implied we don't okay that's the thing about i don't think you always have to show like the actual sex happening you can imply things it's more artistic yeah it's nice nancy wheeler i don't know who that actress is thrones yeah i don't know (laughs) who that actress is but she's beautiful she's a beautiful human being i don't need to see her naked every single time exactly just leave it to the imagination. They don't even show anything besides her and Jonathan going in the room, door closes, boom, we're done. We know what happened. Exactly. And, like, in contrast, a great show like Game of Thrones, right? Like, I don't know, like, at this point of watching Game of Thrones, like, I don't need to see people naked all the time. You know what I mean? Game of Thrones is good about it. I mean, they're, I mean, yeah, but, like, I don't, like, I feel like some of those scenes, okay, for example, John and Daenerys, right? Mm-hmm. I think you could have gotten away with really shooting it and showing their faces more than just straight up bare bare ass and like nudity stuff and showing the emotional connection that they're having at that moment, even though it was weird for us as viewers because we know what they are to each other. I think it would have been more effective. But in this show, they do that. They they just show the emotional connection and it's implied and we know damn well what happened. You know why they had to do that uh, the Daenerys scene with in Kit with all the with all the nakedness? That was because. Up until this point, all the male viewers who are heterosexual have seen a hot Daenerys 
doing oh, things Jesus. multiple times. Oh, Jesus. They had to give the women a Kit Harrington butt. That's fair. They had to. <laughs> That's fair. That's fair. Shout out to the ladies. For all my ladies out there, I know, because your, your cousin was talking I, about I, I know. Yes. They had to get the Kit Harrington ass shot. All the girls were like, yes. Yes. Finally. Yes, they were. That's why. So anyways, in this episode, we get the Eleven and Mike reunion. We do. Oh, yeah, we do. We that do. Nice. It was so beautiful. I was like, yes, yes, queen, yes. Get your man, queen, yes. It was great because all of a sudden these kids are fighting off. Uh, the demo dogs get called onto the house because even the phone ringing, the shadow monster can find where they are, that, which I thought was crazy. So shadow monster sends the demo dogs to go kill everybody. Ugh, excuse me. And all of a sudden you just see one fly through the window. And then, like, I, as soon as that happened, I was like, oh, I know it's Eleven. It's Eleven. Oh, my God, oh, it's Eleven. Oh, for sure. Oh, my God, it's Eleven. It's her. She's back. Yes, thank God. And then it opens the door. They get the cool reunion with her and Mike. And then Mike has to have a great, great scene with David Harbour. Again, this dude is not to be messed with. Oh, my God. When he starts hitting him and then crying. That's such a powerful, like, dad. Like, he has to be the dad right there to Mike and, like, try to – like, he's just, he knows damn well he's just going to have to let him hit him because this is how it's going to go because he's never going to understand right now. And just the way that David Harbour can just <sighs> – Mike's dad is one of the best oh. support characters I've ever seen. That's amazing. He is the corniest dude. <laughs> <laughs> Mike's parents are so oh, – that's unreal. Yeah, because <laughs> – his mom's Mom's like this isn't the first strike or the third or even the seventh strike and his dad's (laughs) just sitting there not even paying attention if it was my team you're on the bench right now just add an and he's just like he's like what What? he's like and if it was my coach you'd lucky to be still playing the game son and (laughs) he just looks at his dad like what the hell are are you you talking about (laughs) what why are you you saying words so far up your ass Or like when the CIA or whoever's tapping his house, and he's like, I promise we'll all talk. We're all patriots in this house, and gives him a little salute. <laughs> and the guys just look at him like, so you're yeah. a freaking moron. Yeah, he's such a cornball. Oh. Anyway, I just like Mike's dad. Well, you mentioned uh, the, his parents, and uh, his mom is hot. Oh, yeah. Jason Billy almost, straight yeah, up oh, pursues, Billy. <laughs> bro. He straight up pursues because I believe it's in this episode as well. We get to see Billy's dad. Good lord. Good god. That frightened my soul. Billy getting tears, that was real. That I've was been real. in that situation before. Dark Decray Montgomery again. I don't I don't know why people are hating so much. This dude pulled it out for this role. I don't he's, It was he's great. Good. He was so good. Like I hated him. I was like, "Wow, I hate you as a human being." He Oh my god, he whoops the shit out of Steve too. Oh dude. <laughs> I think that's in the next episode, so let's just get to I, it. I couldn't tell if it was in the end of this one before Eleven comes in or if it's in the next one. No, but... I think it's in the next one. So Chapter 9, The Gate. It's the series finale. So now they're just going to execute the plan. Hopper's going to take Eleven into Hawkins and try to shut down the gate so that way they can close it up. The rest of the party is supposed to stay at the house and wait for them in case anything happens. And then what? Uh, there's one more team that has to go do something as well. Um this is the big gate, by the way, not the tiny one. No, this is not to be messed with. They're going this after the this gate. huge gate that's underground at Hawkins' lab. Oh, and Joyce takes Will with Nancy and Jonathan to uh, a different— The exorcism. The exorcism, yes. basically. Oh, my God. Because they figure out that 
if they give the monster the conditions they want, then it can continue to uh, inhabit the body like a virus. So if you make the conditions of, for the virus uninhabitable, then maybe that'll work. And that scene, okay, the kid that plays Will, wow. He scared me. He's really good. Yes. He's stupid good. Wolf, Wolfren Hedenbenberger, whatever his name is. Because he's so quiet as Will, but when he's the vessel, he's loud. Dude, he's... when he has to just, extr- like, these emotional scenes, like... Just screaming, like, let me go, or it's too hot, and all that stuff. It's oh, That's something else. It's so crazy. And I know makeup has some to do with that, but still, that kid has to do, like... That kid has to deliver it, or else it doesn't work. Oh, yeah, it's not believable if he's not screaming his lungs out. Right. <laughs> so, uh, eventually, the kids at the house decide they're also going to help. They're going to go to the location that David Harbour fell into and got trapped in, and they're going to try to burn the Upside Down as well with a bunch of gas and and stuff. It's a nice little cremation for Barbara. Right. They're going to try to burn all the vines and get get rid of the uh, Upside Down in their town. So they set out to do that. It's all going down. We get to see a fight breakout, however, between Steve and Billy once and for all before they head out on the road. Billy Goku's him. So he lets him, he gets hit a couple times so he can see what your power's like and Dustin's in the background like, kick his ass, Steve. Yeah, go get him. Because <laughs> he does. He punches him at first and then uh, Billy throws a punch and Steve dodges it, hits him again. And then yeah. they're like, oh, okay, he's got a yeah, chance. Steve, Steve gets a couple shots in there, but then he forgot that Billy got trained by Zordon and got roundhouse straight to the throat. Basically, yes. I mean, it was, okay, that didn't actually happen, but basically he got his ass beat. Oh my God. Um, Like almost dead. When Billy throws Lucas up against the wall? I was hot. I was like, oh, hell no. Oh, my God. I was like, Steve, get up. Let's go. Lucas was not afraid either. That was cool. he wasn't backing down. Not Mm -hmm. at all. I was waiting for him to pull out the wrist rocket. Just just (laughs) into, like, Billy's eyes or something. Okay. How cool are these scenes where you see the whole squad armored up? They got the yes. bat. He's standing there with the wrist rocket. Yes. Harper's got the AR. Like, <laughs> those scenes I really enjoy. I really love those as well. Because they look like posters. And, like I could draw yes. that whole setup. Yes. I don't know. Really well done. Straight I know things. what you mean. So anyways, eventually the fight between Steve and Billy ends because uh, Max grabs one of the what is it? Like, it's like an, a tranquilizer. tranquilizer dart that they used on Will and stabs Billy in the neck with it, rolls him over, and repeats a line that uh, had been said from Billy to Max about, do you understand? And she grabs Steve's baseball bat with the nails in it and almost hits him in the balls. Right in between his legs, yep. And right here is where I defend the character of Billy from hate. Everyone that has reviewed this show that I've seen said they didn't like Billy, they didn't understand why he was in the show. He seemed like he was supposed to be the villain for all the kids. That is your own perception, and you are wrong. And here is why. Yes, he is a villain antagonist because what Stranger Things has liked to do, they like to have a human antagonist for the kids and then that supernatural antagonist, right? So in this one, we have the Shadow Monster, and they cast Decray Montgomery to be the villain, and they didn't really say, you know, they said that he was supposed to be the villain for the kids. However, you have to look deeper. You have to look deeper into the minds of these du- the Duffer brothers because they damn well know that he wasn't just a villain for everyone. He was there, essentially, to grow the new character that they introduced on the show in Maxine. Without Billy, Maxine does not stand up on her own and find her way into the party. Correct. That is a fact, and you have to look at it that way. 
because right after that scene happens, she grabs the we- the keys to his Camaro, uh-huh. and she's their Zoomer now and transports them very quickly where they need to be. Exactly. So, boom. Yeah, come at Yeah, that's the line after the end. Yep. She stops the car, and she's like, there's your Zoomer or whatever. Really corny, awesome. Worth it. Like, uh, what's that 80s movie, the wrestling one? Do you know what I'm talking about? Uh, where she, it's his older girlfriend, and right before his final fight, she goes, kick his ass, Loudon. <laughs> oh, was it Vision Quest? Yes. <laughs> yes. It was very Vision Questy for me. I didn't know you were going to drop the Vision Quest. 80s bombs, <laughs> dude. 80s bombs. Because she says, That's amazing. I'm your Zoom or whatever. And yeah. that was very kick his ass, Loudon. And I was like, Hell yeah, dude. Yes. I love this stuff. That really was, though. So then the episode ends with uh, Eleven getting a face-off between the Shadow Monster, and she goes full-blown Dark Phoenix, basically. She's levitating off the ground and she shutting uses, it down. She uh, uses two hands this time. Two She's hands. always used one hand, and yeah. then she screams and gets the other hand up. She uses the lessons that were taught by K- Kali, Kali uh, <laughs> uh, that she learned in Chicago about channeling her anger and stuff, which also, I wonder if they're going to try to reverse that in season three and four. You know what I mean? Because mm-hmm. you know how, like, it kind of reminds me of Zuko almost, or not Zuko, Magneto in X-Men Days of Future Past. Yeah. Where initially, when he comes to Professor Xavier, he's only channeled his powers through rage. And then Professor X gives him that knowledge of, you have to find the place between, you know, rage and, like, there, there's some there's some other line or whatever. Mm-hmm. I wonder if that's going to be the kind of thing that happens to Eleven. But anyways, so. I like how you dropped Zuko and then went to Magneto. I thought, I thought Zuko, and I was like, no, no, no. I was got my villains confused there. Avatar sorry. Fire Prince. Avatar um, Magneto. Magneto. Sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry, Milky. It's been a long day. Um, so then the kids, uh, they all, uh, Eleven saves the day, basically. The kids are safe um, for now. For now. They show the ending scene where we get the 84 ball, right? How great was the ending in the dance? I even texted you, dude. All I said was snowball because it was so perfect. (laughs) Snowball. Yes. I loved it. Uh, And this is where another great uh, Steve scene happens. He drops off Dustin after helping him out, getting his hair done and stuff, making him look cool for the dance. He drops Dustin off, and Dustin walks into the gym, right? And there's no dialogue. All you hear is the 80s music. Steve just looks in and sees Nancy, right? And at this point, he knows her and Jonathan have gotten it on, and they love each other. And he just kind of like, just kind of like gives her this look of like acceptance, like he's it's not gonna happen. But he's not here for Nancy. But he's not here for Nancy, and he's just kind of he just kind of gives this nod, and I was like, oh, Steve, you're so a human. Much, yeah, dude, so much growth. From oh, Steve. I loved it. I loved it so much. Then we get into the dance, and of course, all the guys kind of make fun of Dustin for how his hair looks and stuff. And then all of a sudden, all it's it's slow dance time, right? We've all had. Those lovely experiences in middle school dances where slow dance music comes on and you're trying to find yourself a nice lady and it's real awkward. Real awkward. So, of course, Max grabs Lucas. They go dance. Somebody else grabs Will. It's some random chick that yeah, grabs Will. Yeah, she goes, Will. hey, zombie boy. Zombie boy. <laughs> He's like, oh. He's like, getting, he's like, bet. I'm getting butt with this now. <laughs> bet I'm zombie boy. I'm getting butt with the zombie boy. Uh, and then we see Dustin go in and try to ask the hottest girl at the dance, which is absolutely the first mistake you could ever make. Don't, no. If you're like 12 and listening to this for some reason, don't do it. Steve gave him his- Know uh, your range, bro. He, he <laughs> gave him his hair, though. He, he gave like, him his hair. I will tell you how I do my hair. 
This will get you the ladies. <laughs> oh, and you see a really pretty Eleven walk in the door. Yes. And dance with Mike. I was building. Oh, well, Damn no, it. that happened before. Did right? it? No. Yeah. It, no, like, it, the thing with Dustin happened, and then Mike saw her. Okay. I swear. Carry on. But anyway, so Dustin's kind of sad. He's sitting on the bench, and he's crying God, at the dance. Dude, this kid is so good at acting. Like, I'm so, like, I've definitely been there. I'm sorry. I, de- I don't care. I don't care about admitting it. I've definitely been there. It I think, sucks. Dude, I think they used the same gymnasium from 16 Candles. I swear to you, I was thinking the same thing. We had not talked about this previously, um, by the way, podcast. I was thinking the same thing. I was looking at the gym. I was like, why does it look like the 16 Candles set? The bleachers set up and everything. Maybe it's just because that's how gyms looked in the 80s. I don't know. How Zumwalt South gyms look. <laughs> That's how that looks. <laughs> y'all, so. y'all be stuck. <laughs> hey, y'all be stuck. You don't say that. Progress. Anyways, and then of course Eleven walks in. She looks beautiful as ever. Walks up to Mike. They start dancing. And outside we get this great dialogue between Joyce and Hopper. They're kind of sharing a. I don't think it's a cigarette at that point. That's some. That's <laughs> some doinks right there. They get some. Get some doinks going. And they talk about how this is going to be rough. And you kind of start to see that relationship start to form. Then it cuts back inside, and finally, finally, we get we get some love in from everyone. Though. From everyone, it was amazing. The only person that didn't get kissed was Dustin because he was dancing with Nancy. Yeah, he he picked up the hottest girl in the gym. So that's another fine. point to Nancy again. Character yes. development. People. We have to get there though. We have it to build up. Ma- it matters. Build up through the kisses. Yes. Who went first? Did Lucas we? and Max, I believe, went first. Max kisses Lucas. Yeah, which I think is cool. Bold moves because that's her strategy. That's her personality. That's her. Yeah. yeah, very, very. Because well when, because when the song comes on, Lucas tries to ask Max to dance, and then she's just like, "Do you want to dance or not? You want to dance, stalker? <laughs> like, wow, what a loser!" <laughs> and then as soon as she drops him with the stalker line, you can see he just relaxes, and then she sets up his hands and stuff. Exactly. And bam, we're in there. Then big smooch. In there, last swimwear, baby. Yes. Check did out. did uh did Will get a kiss from that girl? I think so i don't know i don't remember if he did you you know what i, I, I know we see him you see mike and 11 kiss and it's so genuine but it's so awkward yes you can feel these how kid, the kid actors is. hate doing it is why i've seen it like if you watch the interviews and stuff with them after the happened in the season one they hate doing it which you would at that age because they don't get it yet and like of course in my mind i'm like oh here comes the kiss and it, it's so quick and i was like oh yeah i forgot they're not real hollywood actors yet they're like like, it's not this big – you know how you get those yeah. hero kiss scenes at the end where it's just, right. like, a minute, you know, they're going? But what I really liked was their natural awkwardness played into their character roles because Elle has no idea how that shit works. No. Not at all. It fit on all spectrums. It really – it was nice. Yes. And then, of course, it zooms out. We just see the school. And then all of a sudden, the camera, it starts tilting, and I'm like – uh wait no 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 <laughs> and it shows the last image is the shadow monster hovering over the uh the middle school there so the kids are safe for now for now but yeah so do you have any season three predictions bilky real quick i like how all the hot girls that turned down dustin were eyeballing him like yeah, no other after he damn got with right. nancy the hot senior because that's what happens well done well done I wanted like a Napoleon Dynamite somewhere in the background. Maybe I need to rewatch <laughs> it, but I wanted to see like some corny dude dancing with a girl with big puffy shoulders. That'd be amazing. Yeah, <laughs> <wouldn't it? laughs> Season uh, three predictions. Yes. Do you have any? I think at this point, L is 
living with them more like a regular life. I don't think she might still be staying with Hopper, but I think he's letting her out and about now. Yeah. I think she has a feeling of safety. So does everyone else. I think Brenner makes his return in season three, whether you see a little tidbit at the beginning and more at the end or just at the end. And I think the season three cliffhanger is going to be another kid. I think so. Another, I think that'd be cool. Uh, another numbered kid. I that would say. be cool. As uh, far as mine go, I think uh, I'm all along the same lines as you because we see at the end of the episode as well that Hopper, like, officially, like, ad- is from the doctor that was at Hawkins' lab. He kind of works his little government magic and makes it official that, you know, Eleven could be his daughter. Oh, yeah. So you see the guy, he tried to make it out of the lab, yeah. the doctor, and he's dying pretty much in the stairwell. And Hopper saves him. He uh, cuts off the artery or whatever with his belt. But he, he lets him know at the same time, look who's in the position of power right now. This is how things are going to go. Damn right. And I, Hopper, you're the best, dude. Uh, David Harbour. Hellboy. David Harbour. He's going to be Hellboy, dude. Wait till they give him a fat cigar rather than a oh, cigarette to light up. <laughs> I can't. I want it now. It's going to look awesome. I dude. want it right now. Um, but yeah, I think along the same lines as you, she's going to be living with them in a more normal environment and stuff. It's going to be kind of just... Regular hop, hoppity hippity dabbity. I think Dr. Brenner would make more sense because we've done the upside down twice. Let's do something human. Maybe there's, like you said, maybe Dr. Brenner creates the opposite 11 with no conscience and is just completely submissive to him. And she's a little bit more powerful. So that requires 8 to come down, help out 11 again. We They fight a little bit and then maybe we get another uh, child at the end. That'd be something, dude. That would be something. I don't know how long we have to wait, but I am already waiting very impatiently. I am also waiting very impatiently. <laughs> so we're going to give you the good old rating scale like we do here on the show. So, Bilky, should you see it or don't see it? 100% I think you should see it. It's hard to get people to watch sci-fi who don't like sci-fi. True. And that's fine. I don't know how to convince you. But if you're going to watch this show, make it to episode four. I usually say... If you're, you're going to watch a show and I recommend it to, to someone, watch the first three episodes and tell me what you think. Yep. For this one, I think you need to go past three. Mm-hmm. And then if you do and you don't like it, stop watching it. But for the rest of you who enjoy sci-fi, I could not recommend this any higher. If I'm going to be completely honest, it's a hard and 5,000% see it. Watch the entire series. I challenge you to not to watch the first three episodes of season one and not binge the rest of it. I th- I'm telling you, I, I will put my whatever reputation that so what exists on it. It is that good. You will be hooked of like basically instantly because of these kids. These kids are phenomenal. Watch the show. Mic drop. Mic drop. Mickey I don't even like, drop. I don't have anything else for you. I don't either. Stranger Things 2 was good. It's lit. Yeah, Anyways, it lit. moving right along, DC TV stuff, otherwise known as Jalen recaps the Flash because Bilky doesn't watch any of the shows and Arrow got moved to Thursdays. It's lit. <laughs> Anyways, uh, after discovering that a former police detective, uh, Ralph Dibney, has been involved with the Black Matter incident after Barry's return from the Speed Force, the team investigates uh, to only uh, investigates him only to discover that he has metahuman abilities. What? Gypsy's dad, guest starred by Danny Trejo from Machete. You know who that is? I know who Danny is. Yeah. yeah, yeah, he's he's pretty great in this episode. Uh, seeks to kill Cisco for dating his daughter, who is Gypsy. And Barry discovers that DeVoe is the one who's been plotting the events that have happened in season four this far. Uh, it was really good. Danny Trejo was dope. Uh, I love Cisco. Uh, basically, Cisco like the singer? Yeah. Thong song? Thong song. Great song. Let me see that thong. 
Um, if you don't know who Ralph Dibney is, he's basically uh, DC's version of the uh, of uh, Reed Richards from Fantastic Four. He can stretch. Oh, okay. Yeah, that's basically all you need to know. Actually, DC has two of them. There's Plastic Man, who does the same thing, and uh, the he's called the Elongated Man, is Ralph Dibney. So, yeah, I kid you not. Plastic Man just doesn't even sound stretchy. I just It sounded dumb. Then they make a cool little reference to it there at the end because Barry and him kind of put aside their differences and decide, hey, we're going to try to help each other, as they do. So uh, overall, uh, it's good. This is the episode that I think uh, The Flash has finally found its footing this season. This is where they need to go and start kind of pressing forward. They've kind of found their niche in this footing. This was a good episode. Not great, not bad, good. It was just a good episode. I liked it. Nice, dude. What else do we have? My phone died. Video games. I have a Game of Thrones Conquest review, and we saw a cool trailer for Spider-Man 4 on the PS4. I don't like PS4 games. Real quick on this trailer, it looked amazing. <laughs> it absolutely did. It looked like they were doing their own kind of, like, they're just playing with the Spider-Man toys, essentially. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, it looked cool. Definitely check out this uh, the Spider-Man trailer. I don't really have much for it. It's it's great. It's great. <laughs> Perhaps I'll link it. Perhaps I won't. But Game of Thrones Conquest, it's a mobile game. It's basically, you know, Game of War. It's like a strategy game or whatever. Uh, overall, I like it. Um, it has a, a couple of big issues, though, and we... we found out when that night you came over to yeah do this. i downloaded it so you... you can't really play with your friends which is kind of the whole point of playing mobile games right well yeah so you get your account created and i'm assuming that they have quite a few people who play this so they have different servers and yes if you get your account created into the different server from your friends you can't link over unless you change from the like immediate jump so i had all my stuff going and i had been making some progress and we were like all right let's link up i can be your bannerman now and i wasn't in the right place so i had to reset and start all over built all my shit up and then we still couldn't link up yeah it was just very a frustrating process to try to play with my friends so i've not played it since otherwise it's really cool all the game of thrones characters are in there somewhere through the tutorials and stuff the imp basically is your quest master he gives you all the missions that you need to do hey, don't call him the imp man <laughs> he doesn't like that the targaryen gives you the list of things his name is Tyrion. <laughs> anyways Tyrion lannister um but yeah that's a I, overall i'd probably give it like a 2.5 out of five stars like it's fun like i still play it but again that's a huge issue very huge issue anyways if you want to read first of all i'm going to recommend a netflix series called mind hunter dude I saw your dad watching that the other day, and then I was like, that's going to be my wreck. <laughs> yes, yes, it is. It's all right. We can both talk about it. You saw a little bit of the episode. Yeah, I just saw part of the episode, and it looked like the writing was interesting. I don't really fare for, um, I guess, crime fighter shows like and stuff. Like dialogue-heavy kind of. Well, it's just like the police work shows. I felt like there was such a huge influx of them in television in the past 10 years. I don't like it. There's... NCIS, CSI, NCIS Los Angeles, NCIS Arizona, NCIS Florida. There's so many iterations of the same concept that it just really started to piss me off. Yeah. So I don't watch any of them. But this one seemed interesting. This one's legit. So the basic gist of the show is it's about a, a man, or, an FBI agent named Holden. He is starting this branch of the government, and this is all based on true events that happened. So in the late 70s, the FBI didn't have a way to profile or categorize um, what we know now as serial killers. So the whole show is about how they developed that profiling system and developed the term serial killer. So they interviewed some of the biggest serial killers at the time. And 
basically the show is literally them going and talking to people in prison cells. But wow, I only like, watched you are like engaged, right? Yeah. I watched the part where the murderer was that bigger gentleman. Yeah, and I was my mind was blown. I was like, these criminals are playing this the psychological role so well. It's insane how good they are. Yeah, because we took psychology classes and sociology classes in school together. We did, so we study similar things. And from the standpoint, if you like psychology, watch you this have show. to watch the show. It is you will amazing. You will have a better appreciation for it if you've done any kind of work in psychology in your undergrad or high school stuff. Um, but even if you don't. The dialogue and the story is really good. Now, I will tell you, it's uh, directed by David Fincher, and the way that he directs is all of his stuff is usually a slow burn. And because this is a show, that means the pilot is garbage. I'm not going to lie to you. I fell asleep and then had to wake back up. Like, the pilot sucks. Get through the pilot because two through, uh, I think it's ten episodes, two through ten, you're just going to keep wanting to watch, okay? So if you're going to watch the show, really great. Just get through the pilot. You have to watch it because there's a lot of information. But after that, it's it's really, really great. And that's all I got for uh, – oh, sorry. Excuse me. <clears throat> Since it's Halloween, or it was Halloween, I'm going to give you another amazing crossover that was done by the most one of my favorite artists, Freddie Williams. Do it. What is it? TMNT Ghostbusters. <laughs> nice. Yes. This thing is real, Bilky. Uh, I plan on picking it up today on Comixology uh, because he tweeted about it on his Twitter account. I looked at the cover art that he did. It's amazing. I'm pretty sure he did interiors, but if not, either way, I'm interested. So that's my reading recommendation. It's lit. Have you read or done anything lately that you'd like to be intrigued by or if you want to read? Um, honestly, I've been – like I found a rekindling in my love for art. Thanks. Yes. So you've been seeing – I snap Jalen like 5,000 times a day whenever I make an <laughs> update to a picture. It's excellent. Exactly. So I've just been drawing a lot. So this is in, uh, I guess, a shout-out to my – First completed piece in a long time. Hell yeah. Go watch Cowboy Bebop. Yeah! That's a fantastic anime. Uh, I'm sure it's a manga. It definitely is. Probably. I haven't read it. It's a uh, space cowboy. It's um, it's like bounty hunters, but the guy's got an old western feel, but it's in uh, futuristic space. Excellent. It's amazing. Woo! We did it. Yes! Man, that was a long pod. But we the had to do it. That's a whole nother review down, dude. We did it. We did the 13 Reasons Why, and then we just conquered a way fatter one. Yeah. Okay, it was it was less episodes, but holy poop, there was way a more lot. Content. Yeah, so way much. more content. And we probably missed a bunch, too, to be honest. Oh, yeah, <laughs> dude. There are so many thoughts flying in my head, like, oh, this was cool from that episode. Dude, we're, we're already we, three we, episodes we, past. We can't talk about that anymore. <laughs> it's all good. Go watch Stranger Things. Well, Bilky, we do this podcast for free. Do we not? Mm-hmm. And how do we do such things, if you don't mind me asking? A lovely, lovely website called podcast.com. Yes, we do it via podcast.com. It has unlimited storage, seamless iTunes integration, and an optimized search engine to get your podcast out on the interwebs. And it helps you – That what that really does, not only does it get it out on the internet, it helps when people go and search your podcast on the iTunes store. So as an example, uh, what Bilky told me the other day, right, your grandma went to go look for it, and it only took her like – like spelling a little bit and it was just boom like right there on the search bar yeah we're there dude yeah it's it's real so podcast.com it's great also do you have an amazon account bilky i can't remember no damn i don't have anything nor do i watch anything jesus anyways well anyways we we get a lot of our comic recommendations from comiXology it's the best place to get your digital comics on the web because it's affiliated with amazon so if you have an amazon account all you gotta do is go into your account 
click over to Comixology, hit a couple selections, and you'll be signed up. It's a great, great resource. Anyways, you can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Jalen Holston. Bilky, where can the people find you? You can find me on Twitter at LGBilks, and then you can find me on Instagram at B-I-L-K-O-Z-B-Y. Open for your own interpretation. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> we'll see you back next week, nerds. Have a good one.